This is Dwayne McCrary, the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to help you gain background on the Bible books of Proverbs and Song of Songs. Uh, these two books will be the focus of our study in For the Bible during the summer of 2020. Let me set the scene. It all begins in 1 Kings 3. David has died and Solomon has just established himself as king. He went to Gibeon to offer a sacrifice. Well, he ended up offering 1,000 sacrifices. God then appeared to Solomon in a dream and asked him what he, God, should give him. Solomon recognized all that God had done for David and the privilege that it was now for him to be the king. He also recognized that he was young and the job ahead of him was great. So he asked God to give him a receptive heart to judge God's people and for the ability to discern between good and evil. God granted Solomon the request, giving him a wise and understanding heart and explaining that his wisdom would be greater than anyone who lived before him or anyone who lived after. Then God did something surprising. He gave Solomon what he did not ask for, which was riches and honor. God ended the dream with a condition which we find in verse 14 of 1 Kings chapter 3. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. That dream was the start of Solomon's quest for wisdom. In the next chapter of 1 Kings, 1 Kings 4, in verse 32, we find the following passage. It says, Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about trees, from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop growing out of the wall. He also spoke about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Emissaries of all peoples, sent by every king on earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. That's verses 32, 33, and 34 of 1 Kings chapter 4. Now it makes sense that the wisdom gained by Solomon would be recorded. In fact, we are told in Ecclesiastes 12.9, in addition to the teacher, which is Solomon, being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many Proverbs. In the Hebrew Bible, the title of the book that we call Proverbs is simply titled The Proverbs of Solomon. The first verse indicates that the Proverbs are those of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Now Solomon reigned over Israel from 970 to 931 B.C. He provided these Proverbs to train young men in the royal court who needed to learn how to rule well when their time came. However, the larger audience included God's people who needed to walk in the Lord's wisdom so they could serve Him faithfully. Something curious is found in Proverbs 25. Here we're introduced to King Hezekiah who reigned over Judah in 716 to 686 B.C. During his reign, he and his men found more of Solomon's Proverbs and had them added to the collection. We find that in Proverbs 25.1. In chapter 30, we find yet another contributor, and that's Agor, son of Jehu. His name comes from a Hebrew word meaning collector. He is only mentioned here in the Bible and is otherwise unknown. Most scholars believe he lived during the same time as Solomon and may have been associated with Solomon in some way. 
In the last chapter, chapter 31, we find another contributor, Lemuel. This king's identity is also unknown, but we are told that what he was saying was taught to him by his mother. Some scholars propose that this was Solomon repeating wisdom given to him by his mother Bathsheba, but once again, the Bible does not tell us who Lemuel is. In the days of the Old Testament, God's people listened to him through three voices, the priest, the prophet, and the wise. The priest pointed them to God's written law, the prophets proclaimed his spoken words, and the sages taught them his faithful wisdom. In Jeremiah 18.8, the leaders of Judah mention all three of these voices. See, God inspires Scripture in different ways. He spoke to Moses face to face. He spoke to the boy Samuel in an audible voice. God inspired wisdom teachers through the world they observe. See, Solomon observed and reflected on the order of creation and society. The wisdom teachers viewed life through the lens of Israel's faith. That is through the law and the prophets. They recognize a proper respect for God is the foundation for all wisdom. That relationship, the relationship with God, is key to anyone who wants to live a full, successful, and meaningful life. So you have a book filled with wisdom, but what would you expect to be done with such a book? Well, it was used to educate the young men, as I've already stated. They were taught to fear God and avoid evil. The contrasts that are seen within the book help them understand those things. You see wealth and poverty, good and evil, family and friends and the ungodly, pride and humility, justice and inequity, and then gluttony and drunkenness are contrasted with wise living. All of these things would be used to teach young men to fear God and avoid evil. Now, we've already noted that Solomon wrote more than 1,000 songs, which brings us to the Song of Songs. The title in the Hebrew Scripture is Solomon's Song of Songs. This title identifies the song as the very best of Solomon's songs. The Septuagint, which is an ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament, lists the song's title as simply Song. Most English versions will use the title Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, either being correct. Now, songs that we remember usually tell a story about a real-life event. If you look back at the songs you remember from your teenage years, the ones that tend to stand the test of time tell a story or express emotions experienced as a result of some event. Many of the songs that we recall talk about relationships, usually between a man and woman. Think about that. What songwriter do you know that hasn't written a song about love? The first verse of the text tells us that this song belonged to King Solomon. He wrote the love poem about his romantic relationship with a Shulamite woman, but no one knows for certainty when he penned it. Some believe that Solomon wrote it as a young king when he married the true love of his life. Yet others believe he wrote it years later when he came to understand true love between a man and a woman in light of God's loyal love for his people. As is the case with many songs, they can take on a life of their own. Some songs just causes us to wrestle with the meaning more than others. No other book of the Bible, well, with the exception of maybe Revelation, suffers under so many different interpretations as the Song of Songs. You can find a summary of four major approaches included on pack item 14 in the Explore the Bible Adult Leader Pack. But let me just summarize those real quick for you. 
First of all, there's the allegorical interpretation. From early times, both Jews and Christians have allegorized the Song of Songs. Jews have taken it to be a picture between the love of the Lord and Israel, while Christians have regarded it as a song of the love between Christ and the church. Advocates of this approach claim that the New Testament supports their case, pointing to Ephesians 5:22 through 33 and other texts that describe the church as Christ's bride. A second approach is known as the dramatic interpretation. This approach has been around for about 200 years now, and it views the book as a drama with Solomon and the woman as main characters, or as Solomon and the woman and a shepherd as the main characters. In this view, Solomon is actually the villain, trying to convince the Shulamite to join his harem, even though she is in love with a lowly shepherd. In the end, she resists Solomon and remained faithful to her one true love. One of the more challenging issues with this view is determining when Solomon is speaking and when the shepherd is speaking. A third approach is that of a wedding song. Some scholars have studied Near Eastern wedding ceremonies and have pointed out similarities between those rituals and the lyrics of the song. As such, the song would be performed as a part of a wedding ceremony. A fourth approach is viewing the book as a simple love song. In this approach, the Song of Songs is a love song to be sung in three parts, a man, a woman, and a chorus of women. As such, it is a lyrical expression of romantic love between a couple who are in the process of marrying. Viewing Song of Songs as a love song about a groom, Solomon, and his bride gives a wonderful description of God's design for a marriage relationship and thereby a model that helps us bring understanding into the New Testament analogy of the church as the bride of Christ. Now, as we study these two books of wisdom, several themes will emerge. First of all, in Proverbs, we will see that God's wisdom comes only through a personal relationship with him. This is seen in the call of Solomon to his readers to fear the Lord. A second theme is the temptation to give in to foolishness and the need to choose wisdom serves as an ongoing concern for God's people to live daily in relationship with Him. A third theme is that being wise and overcoming these menacing temptations means that we seek the Lord's wisdom and we must put it to work. A fourth theme is that seeking God's wisdom and applying it to our lives allows us to learn how to handle the issues that confront us in all areas of life, including our relationships. A fifth theme is that God wants us to enjoy the fulfillment that comes with being wise in Him. You see a progression in those five themes. God wants a relationship with us. Temptation gets in the way of that relationship. Being wise and overcoming that temptation uh, means we have to seek God's wisdom. We have to put it to work. That four, fifth, fourth idea is that seeking God's wisdom and applying it means we have to learn how to handle those issues and handling those leads us to the fifth one, which is God wants us to enjoy fulfillment that comes with being wise in Him. In the Song of Songs, we find these two themes, that God affirms intimacy, but He expects His people to be wise in Him in the expression of romantic love between a man and a woman. Secondly, the relationship between a married couple provides the only healthy setting for Christians to express romantic love completely. Before I move on, Neither Proverbs nor Song of Songs contains deep theological expressions found in other parts of Scripture. 
Both books present practical guidelines for daily life, giving us a picture of what it looks like to live a godly life. The Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, declared that Old Testament wisdom pointed ahead to Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Thus, the conduct set forth in Proverbs outlines appropriate Christ-like behavior for all believers. Song of Songs is an emphasis on love in the marriage relationship, and it provides us a model for the relationship between Christ and His bride, the church. We live in a world that may seem simple at times, but the simple is often what makes it so complex. This is true in part because we live in a system where everything is connected. One decision impacts others, having a ripple effect. Systems theory refers to this as simplexity. This simplexity points to our need for wisdom. Solomon discovered that the only place to go when trying to figure out this simplex world was to the one who created it in the first place. Solomon recorded the wisdom God revealed to him in Proverbs and Song of Songs. Learning from these Bible books help us fulfill God's directive found in Ephesians 5.15 to live as wise people. As we study Proverbs and the Song of Songs, we will discover the wisdom of God and principles for living as a way that pleases our Creator. Not everything we discover will be easy, nor will it be simple, but it will be right. May God grant us a glimpse of His wisdom and give us courage to act on what we discover. We hope you join us each week this summer as we dig deeper into these two Bible books.